So hi, hi everybody. Now I've got my very good friend Mandar, who I studied with in uh, MMS MBA, and I've really been impressed with uh, your trajectory and uh, the path that you've taken after MBA. And even during MBA, uh, there are some things which I was really impressed with you and some of the some of the boys uh, because you all went into certain things like you all were the outliers. I remember. Uh, that reading books like The Art of Negotiation by Donald Trump, I first came to know about Donald Trump through you. And, uh, you know, deep diving on books like The Goal and other books. And it wasn't just about self-help books. And, like, you guys did a deep dive on a lot of other material, like on uh, supply chain, process management, and all of that. So I took a lot of, uh, like... I keep telling people that some of the things which I've taken from my uh, post-graduation, from my MBA, apart from the syllabus, which was great, but it was from people who I studied with, and one of them is you. And after we left, you joined uh, Wirecom, you worked, with, you worked with Sony first, I believe, and then you joined Wirecom, MTV, and Bennett and Coleman. So primarily you've been in the media and then you were the uh, chief business officer of Kidzania, which is, again, a multinational group. And you spoke about, I've seen some of your interviews where you speak about experiential learning and the brand. So I'm impressed with the kind of clarity you have on business in general, the brand. And now uh, I, what, I, what, what I know about you is you've uh, pivoted into um, entrepreneurship. So... Um, do you want to take us to the journey and speak more about uh, what you do now? Yeah. <clears throat> sure. So, um, yeah, so we all know that, you know, when we, when we were in our, uh, during our MBA, I mean, you know, we were all struggling with the, with the pedigree, right? I mean, you know, our, our job was to just learn and learn and learn. The Institute never really offered us the kind of pedigree that would give us a quick and fast and high paying jobs. So we had to do all the mehnat ourselves. So I, I landed up in media and entertainment by, by random chats. So I actually wanted to be in marketing uh, and join a traditional um, FMCG company. But, uh, you know, the, like they say, beggars can't be choosers. So <laughs> what I did in the last three months of our institute was just write to hundreds of companies and not just send a CV, a cover letter. Uh, you made a cover letter. Yes, yes. You made a cover letter, uh, okay, made a cover letter uh, for each each of these companies. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And and so a lot of mehnat, a lot of money spent because you remember those days to take a printout used to cost us money, right? We didn't have printers at home. Yeah. So yeah. the stationery shop and all of that, hundreds and hundreds of cover letters, and um, um, and I got this one random call from BCCL saying they're looking for management trainees, apparently because. One of their management trainees that selected from campus had quit. Okay. So if I had not written that letter, yeah. they would not have reached out to me. Yeah, it's important so, to put yourself out there. If you haven't, then you know it's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, my dream was to get a job that paid me ten thousand rupees because I felt after MBA during those times, if I don't get at least ten thousand rupees a month, what what was the what was the worth of doing an MBA? So thankfully, I just crossed that threshold by like a few thousands. And that set me off in media and entertainment. And then, you know, things followed, right? From there to Sony, Sony to Turner, where I spent uh, five and a half years. Uh, okay. The last uh, one year being in an expat role in Philippines. Then uh, moved to Reliance Entertainment, uh, launched Big Adda, 
those were the early days of social networking and big yeah. adda was relying his foray into uh, social networking was the head of marketing and head of revenue there then moved to time television network to launch movies now india's first uh, high definition channel and then viacom where i pretty much led the entire uh, uh, monetization avenues for mtv across branded content digital media consumer products and licensing and all of that and then obviously kidzania but what happened was um, sometime early 2020 just before the covid lockdown happened i realized that i am pretty much doing the same thing right i mean i am doing different roles but not really being challenged and the whole wind of entrepreneurship was such that i felt if i don't do it now when will i do it something called See, the great resignation you know you know it's it's, it's become a big thing now the great resignation a lot of people yes. actually took to this path of entrepreneurship during uh, the past uh, two years yes right so you know i just felt that if i don't do it now when will i do it because i am 45 right not on the right side of entrepreneurship like i call you know we all have our emis to pay and all the financial constraints so i just said i will just quit my job okay i didn't have a plan in mind i was advising a couple of startups here and there but i just felt if i don't quit my job i will forever be locked onto the salary right yeah. so i decided to quit my job and then the covid lockdown happened obviously so not a wrong time not a bad time to quit my boss kept telling me you know mandar come back you know we need you during these times but i just felt i have taken a decision i want to stick by it and then you know things led one thing led to another and um, it led me uh, to lo- to co-found a deep tech startup uh along with uh, four other co-founders Could you explain uh, what deep deep tech startup is so basically um uh, so I, i don't want to share more ashraf because we are yeah. in stealth mode oh, okay. so and since this is going in public domain i i want to kind of keep it restricted sure, sure. Yeah, so you uh, you you also uh, just before that you also uh, founded uh, a certain uh, there was another startup also you are co-founder of yes yes Yeah. yeah, so that was that was uh, that was a person I met uh, from our industry, uh, an industry peer, and she was uh, 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 she was uh, basic. She had a great idea to do a dating startup. Okay. So I tagged along with her, and and I came on board as an investor and co-founder, just to kind of you know understand the drill of what it takes to create an app, okay, and understand technology and what it means to put it out on the iOS to, uh, store. Okay. So you know, it was a learning journey, but but my deal was that you know, once it gets launched on iOS, and when we are in the US, uh, I will kind of assist in the initial days, and then I will opt out. Okay. So I didn't want to do it for a longer time. It's just that because I had nothing else to do, okay. and I did not have any idea of mine. Okay. I just kind of tagged along to learn um, uh, learn the ropes or get some experience on. what it takes to form a company then you know do a tie up with a tech team get the tech in place and all of that so it was a learning what's experience it, what's it like to start a you know a, a, a tech company an app or a saas what's it like i mean is is easy are there restrictions and uh, what kind of regulations are are there where you live so there, there are ashraf actually there are no restrictions okay you can so that part is the easy part what what the problem is the paperwork and the insane amount of paperwork that one needs to do just to start a, a company and what happens is you know see so so uh, this so is classic you, when you finish your paperwork the market has changed your the, 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 uh, <laughs> no not not that bad 
But what happens, Ashraf, is see the government of India has done a great initiative by putting everything digital, right? Yeah. So no, no interventions. Yeah. But the problem is that see, look, it the whole long tail has to be bang on, right? Yeah. You've put everything digital, but your systems are so weak that it takes like tons to upload forms. Okay. Once you upload forms, most of the times they don't get acknowledged. Okay. Then you'll get a mail back saying, "Oh, this was missed, so fill again." So you have to go through the whole process of logging in. The systems don't work. It takes like hundreds of attempts to get into the system. Then you upload. Mm. Then you then you add submit. Once you press that dreaded submit button, it and takes sub- like dreaded. It's a dreaded button. Submit. Okay. After some time, you'll get a message saying, "Oh, there was some problem with the server. Do it again." Okay. So the problem is that see, that, so, and that's so are, you saying, are you saying uh, uh, when you start a company, you should hire an individual just to upload the forms? I'm I'm telling you, Ashraf. So this is my advice to every entrepreneur, at least in India. <laughs> you know, when you decide to start a company, please get a. These are the people that you should have in your corner from the start: a great CA, okay, and a great lawyer. Yeah. Find the cheapest possible. It doesn't matter. You don't have to go after the high flying ones, right? Yeah. There are tons of lawyers and CAs who are starting out young, so they'll not charge you so much money, yes. and it doesn't cost so much. Yeah. But have them the day you you think that I want to start a company, first thing you do is get a CA and a lawyer because they understand the ropes and they will do all the work for you. So you don't waste your time in all this paperwork. Okay. And what's it like for you to move? I mean, obviously, when you were working for a company, there are many like you had a lot of resource available in terms of people, and there were different departments, and they did things. and uh, you were in leadership position so what's it like moving from corporate to entrepreneurship and especially like what are the challenges and uh, would you recommend other people to get on this path earlier in life so that uh, it's better to start early so so here's the thing right my take on this is i wish i was in my 20s now with the wisdom that i have now Yeah, most people. Yeah, most people wish that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Wish we were younger right. so, with the wisdom we have now. Yes. So um, I would recommend. I mean, whoever is listening to this this podcast or watching this video, I would I would suggest. And if you and if they happen to be in their early twenties, the time to do it is now. Because the the older you get, wise you get the wisdom, but the but the risk factors are too high, right? You've made financial commitments. You've got family. You've got kids. their education to think of so all that you do is risking all the comforts of family that your family is used to right yeah so well, when you double double edge sword don't you think like you know the fact that you have worked with some of the biggest brands you know and uh, is a very impact turner in your industry like turner wacom sony these are like really big brands so when you were younger you began with these brands so now when you are on your path of entrepreneurship obviously you have made those strong connections in the industry yes. and also um like m- many of them are your friends really so um starting early a person starts without connections um he starts as essentially you know it's like cold emailing trying to get somebody so uh, how how would you how how would a younger person navigate those challenges see so uh, ashok i think that's a great question Uh, so when I said I wish I was in my twenties with the wisdom of okay. now, yeah. so the wisdom of now basically means the learnings and the network, right? Definitely, yeah. 
but but the but the being in your 20s is about having seamless ambition yes seamless imagination not clouded extremely extremely high testosterone Correct, yeah. correct. So yeah. you know, see, I should go back to your twenties. You felt that you could achieve anything, right? It's true, it's true. You yeah. felt the world was truly your oyster. I mean, there was nothing yeah. you could not achieve. And as you got older, yeah, the wisdom told you that oh, you think you could, but really you can't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the constraints start looping you in till you are restricted in that confined space where you can grow, right? Yeah, uh, commitments, so, no commitments, like personal commitments. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, so to answer your question, um, uh, obviously the network and all of the all of that is there, but I would happily trade it off to be absolutely risk free and completely not risk averse. Okay. So in twenties you can take your risk, right? There's nothing to lose. But you know when, and that's why entrepreneurs in their late forties uh, don't really play that game. I mean, you would you would not see many people in their forties giving up their um, cushy jobs and leadership positions to get into startups. Very few. True. Yeah. True. true. Right. Um, uh, so I mean, see, that's that's the that's the trade-off, right? Yeah. For me, it clearly was. If I don't do it now, I will never do it. Yeah, and I really wanted to experience the thrill uh, and the exhilaration yeah. of building something that you can truly call your own, right? Yeah, and then be scalable, create wealth uh, for yourself, generate um, uh, employ, uh, generate employment, create wealth for others. I mean, these are all thoughts. Uh, it also calls for execution, but at least you know you begin the journey, and you know I I don't know I can't. Quote the name of the poet, but somebody said that you know a journey over thousand miles begins with that first step. Yeah, let's just say Ralph Emerson or just let's just say anonymous. <laughs> let's let's just say anonymous, but I think it could be Frost. I I I'm not really sure of that. Okay. I mean, I could Google it, but uh, it yeah. doesn't. Uh, I mean, let let's just keep thinking. But but truly, I decided to take that step now, saying, okay, let me do it now, and let's see what happens. Also, there's a raging debate, like on the on LinkedIn and, and Twitter, about uh, education and uh, success. You know, how much of an impact does your education have on success? So, uh, I mean, in both sides, they make an equally good argument. Um, okay, we 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 studied together in our post graduation, and I tell people like some people say that we didn't really uh, get that. Edge that we were looking for, and it was more of an extended college. Yeah, which is a good argument. But uh, there were like you know uh, we were exposed to certain things like uh, uh, like reading books and uh, thinking in a certain way. And people from the industry they came and they spoke to us and they answered our question. I remember people from TCS and Bajaj and these different big companies, and it was like a complete shift and. I mean, for me, uh, it was something very new. How much of it would you credit, like your education, to your later success in your corporate life and now in entrepreneurship? So, um, so Ashraf, let me let me put this out here, right? I have seen enough of the world and enough and more people to now understand that whilst we can say, you know, it's all your effort and all your wisdom, but I have seen the benefits of the badge. Yeah, 
I'm speaking from personal experiences only, so I don't want to generalize. But I've seen the benefits of the badge, uh, of the pedigree that you represent in your academics. Yeah. And it creates a massive impression. It opens that network. And it creates an impression that money can't buy. True. True. Right? I mean, I mean, I must share this anecdote. I was at this party the other day. Uh, and uh, uh, so my friends... Uh, were all um, they all, they were all IIT IIM combination. So I was a lone lone uh, lone duck or whatever you can call it. And we were all sitting and they were all you know and they had this classic combination IIT IIM and Unilever. Okay. And then after spending ten years in Unilever after they whatever finished, they all drifted into various companies. They're all CEOs. So it was like a CEO gathering. And I was sitting uh, on the same table as a gentleman who just quit a very large FMCG company in apparels, very large, one of the largest in the India. And he was looking for his next assignment. And next to him was sitting another gentleman who would quit a very large OTT platform and was moving to Singapore <coughs> in, a, in a larger role. So, and these two gentlemen did not know each other. So when they started talking, when he realized that he is IIM and then the, the Unilever combination, he said, hey, look, I'm moving out and my board has told me to quickly find a uh, uh, replacement and they want a classic IIM Unilever combination. So, hey, why don't you and I talk and let's, uh, let's uh, meet over the weekend and let's sign off. Okay. So this is what happens, Ashraf, right? And I've seen this. I mean, one can say that most of us, and you know, I can I can quote names from our batch who've made it in spite of not having a pedigree. Okay. But I would say that if you have that, it's easier for you. Eventually, it's it's your work experience and and your uh, your own skills that matter. But but I've seen the impact of the badge, and it's undeniable. Yeah. But these, these uh, especially the names you've taken, like uh, these are like IIT, IIMs, and uh, I have had I had the opportunity to, you know, I go to India very often. I get invited by the government of India uh, every year to meet uh, technology companies. So one of the meetings I I saw that there were a lot of scientists and there were people from IIT, IIM, and uh, yeah, they have uh, I mean obviously 40, 50 years of uh, IIT and uh, very established, and these are premier business schools, uh, engineering and business schools. I am. Oh, um, what about the other? Like, what about the education itself? Like, we we didn't go to those schools. Uh, so, uh, is it only about the you know, where you're from? Like, you have to be in these public business schools, or even if uh, people do their normal MBA, MMS from uh, lesser known schools uh, would that would that make any kind of impact in terms of your network in terms of your so, Ashraf, I'm not saying this that that those are important for success yeah yeah okay uh, if you have your your determination your own grit your own intelligence and and your own you know what do you call hunar you will make it yeah. all all that I'm saying is that pedigree helps it does help yeah it gives you a leverage yeah Yes, it gives you that leverage. Yeah. So all things being equal, yeah. All things being equal, yeah. That would give more leverage, or 
even all things being slightly unequal let's assume regular college yeah and this is pedigree yeah and say let's assume all things being slightly unequal yeah this would still have the leverage i mean if this, if this is the case then no way but you know this or this uh the leverage is there and it's undeniable so it's all right i mean you know it's it's not affected me because uh, i at least in my early days i was very passionate i had that fire in the belly and also that urge to prove that you know i had what it takes uh to make it so it was pretty i mean the typical fire of a middle class guy right yeah. your parents give you nothing else but education yeah uh, so the 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 fire came from within to kind of you know uh, uplift yourself yeah Definitely. definitely that helps definitely and uh, um you know i was listening to again kunal shah and he had some really interesting stories in in his journey where he said extremely poor family and uh, didn't have the right uh, pedigree but uh, yeah and then yeah, like you said with this honor and determination he he made it so it can achieve but it does give you a leverage and one of the criticism that he and other people who are not from the uh top schools is that uh, um obviously that you know like you you guys don't you don't belong to this club <laughs> you guys don't sort of belong to this club but again you know it it really is on the opportunity on the person the determination right timing and the technology and all of that and uh, absolutely as 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 a market itself in terms of the total accessible market sorry you want you want to put something no i i'm saying that you seem to be a big kunal shah fan because his name has already come up like four five times yeah. in the brief conversation we've been chatting yeah because what what he does is he he's a um, bachelor in philosophy and one of the things which uh, uh, was meant he speaks upon more about the mindset of entrepreneurship so he goes into more of a philosophical side of you know for example you would say that we have a, a capitalist ambition in india but we are socialist in our outlook which, uh. which 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 explains a lot which explains a lot you know so if you see someone um you know doing extremely well you know and uh, uh, so like you've started a company um a startup and it starts doing well extremely well uh, which which i really wish and hope uh, for you uh so uh, uh a lot of people instead of uh taking uh, i mean making it an aspiration to to replicate your behavior or your mindset uh would rather look for you know you know how how do we get this guy like what are the mistakes he's making and you know why this isn't you know to validate their excuses of not doing what you're doing so uh, <coughs> okay let me just wait till he fails or let me just maybe maybe he'll go another six months another one year so here's the thing right ashraf we love heroes yeah, yeah but then we want our heroes to fail because then we 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 love that feeling that comes of oh he's not up there you know he's yeah. probably a, a a normal guy yeah yeah and we've seen that right we we idolize people and then when they start failing yeah you are the and we start trolling oh we knew this oh we knew, knew that yeah. oh yeah sab kya waisa kya we we fail to understand that eventually everybody is human right yeah, yeah. they come come with their own basket of the frailties 
or the insecurities of being a human i mean you know who can lead an ideal life nobody yeah. can yeah and um, like uh, some of your insights on like you spoke about hero and now um, the mainstream media the industry that you also been a part of has always been about uh, saving the day or saving the girl in the hero in the movies or it was about youth and uh, good times but uh, uh, now there's a there's a new focus on entrepreneurship because from the west there was a uh, in australia and the us and uk like the lions the the lions then and shark tank and like someone said that once uh, like the, one of the impact shark tanks is making is it's making entrepreneurs hero so any of your insights on the impact of such programs and uh, your suggestions that what media could get into in the future as well to make the entrepreneurs as heroes so ashraf you know uh, let me let me just you know uh, let's let's plow back a couple of a uh, couple of inches back see what films do is they create pop culture and once an idea becomes pop culture it becomes absolutely crazy right mainstream yeah. so for example why is america seen as and that is also called a soft power of yeah. of films and entertainment uh cultural soft power so why why does the world see america as as this saving the day it is all fueled by all the films they have done you know whether it's independence day armageddon where there's a calamity the world will end and it's the americans who save the world right yeah yeah and this has been drummed about for decades together yeah that's what soft that's what entertainment and culture soft power does to you yeah and i i heard balaji shrinivasan recently and he said and which i didn't know in the past that there was a uh, uh this was done on purpose like the the government the government worked very close with the military and yes. this was done on purpose here yeah. it was it was so so uh, ashraf what happens is when when films start talking about something yeah when it becomes pop culture it becomes an everyday thing right so for example say shark tank so let us not look at shark tank us let's look at shark tank india and the format so i i i to be honest i didn't agree with the format because they made it very desi but bottom line is what has happened is it has sparked conversations mm. on the table across family so for example for the longest time my mother and mother in law didn't know what i was doing what's a startup right the other day my mother was asking me oh, you know was is it like shark tank and how much equity did you dilute and and so you know <laughs> i never imagined that i would have i would have a conversation with my mother on on startups and equity and dilution and valuation and all of that so it has made entrepreneurship pop culture right so and it, what happens is when people see real stories in front of them they feel hey look if this person can do it i can make it too so it also creates aspiration yes right so there is pop culture there is pop culture then there is conversations Yeah. the conversations become normal conversations i mean dinner table conversations and it creates aspiration that oh so many people are doing it why not me exactly exactly and and that really fuels the entire entrepreneurship pipe so i'm sure looking at watching all the shark tank episodes there is some some woman out there who's 60 who's a great cook yeah. and now is thinking that look why why do i not create a home kitchen yeah because now she's seen it's possible right 
There's a kid in his 20s who feels, hey, I'm, I'm a great designer. Why don't I create a business around designing sneakers? Yeah. So entrepreneurship does not really mean startups that are tech and create valuations. It is just doing your own business, which can generate income and employment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, one of the things like in the 80s, like when we were growing up in the 80s, uh, we saw programs like Buniyad and Nukkar, if you know, and Hamlog, Hamlog, Buniyad, yeah. Nukkar. And, uh, you know, going back in retrospect, I see that, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of uh, glorification of poverty and poverty seen as a virtuous thing. And, uh, uh, and the capitalists and the rich people seen as uh, the evildoers. Villains. Villains. The classic. Yeah, so there was one episode of Nukkar, I remember, where, you know, Shiro was the character guru. So, uh, you know, those people, the, the builders, the uh, real estate builders, they come and they say that we're going to change this Nukkar and we will, we will make buildings over here, uh, like re- redevelopment. And uh, uh, then they take him to Nariman Point and they actually show... And, you know, so uh, he sees all of that and he comes back and he's silent and uh, um, he wants to talk to other people and convince them and persuade them that this is the right way to go because our lives will be better now. And, uh, um, you know, we will get out of this poverty and, you know, our children will be educated and all of that. And, uh, you know, there's, there was a Beoda. There's a drunk guy. He says to Badal Gayare Guru. He's like addicted to alcohol. Badal Gayare Guru. To Amar Abhi. And then, you know, the, 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 the lady, you know, the one who likes him, she comes and she says, you know, your heart has changed and you're not the same person. You, you, you're with the rich people. And I should think, you know, the people who are behind the program, Nukkar, you know, the ones who are making it, they're capitalists in the outlook. Yeah. But they are promoting something which is, uh, you know, more of the socialist and, you know, uh, elevate and, and promoting or glorifying uh, po- poverty uh, and lack of resources as a virtuous thing. And mm. yeah, so now and, and then in the 90s, uh, you know, when we opened up, like India opened up with the government and, you know, that's when uh, MTV and these, these big media channels came. And then initially, I remember like in 1993, 94, there was a lot of Western programming, which a lot of people couldn't relate to. And then they had to dub. And then the, the nature of programming also changed. So in 93, 94, you would see that uh, it was all about free markets and open, open society and all of that. But gradually it moved to, again, you know, the virtue signaling and poverty being seen as a, uh, more virtuous thing. So, do you think media has had an impact, positive or negative, on the mindsets of people? And if it has, uh, like you rightly mentioned, America has promoted itself as saving the day, saving the world. Except when it comes to reality, you know, they have to still to still to act. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So now, uh, you being an insider in this industry. Uh, do you, what do you what do you think the next five ten years would be if media seriously gets into promoting capitalism and promoting uh, uh, free markets and entrepreneurship? See, uh, Ashram, uh, you know, let let's look at what is the definition of media now. 
earlier media was only platforms right yeah and and you were a slave of the platform to have a voice True. now True. thanks to instagram and and facebook and tiktok yeah. Yeah. Every single person is now a media by himself or herself. Yeah, true. Very right? true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what is happening is, so during our times, for example, which were our north stars in terms of inspiration and aspiration? Yeah. A few select brands. Say, you know, you would want to, uh, for example, say buy a Nike shoe. Yeah. Or you would want to watch CNN. Or you would want to watch American shows, right? There were three, four things that one could... Today, there are millions of people that people are following on, on Instagram, right? And all of them are medias and heroes by themselves. Yeah, yeah. So now there are... I mean, the, the opportunities are endless, right? Yeah. So so what happens is I was just having a conversation with, with my wife the other day. We were at, at, this, at this place where there were a lot of young people. And every single boy out there in the 20s had the typical haircut. Yase buzz big from the top and shaped beards. Okay. So I was telling Trupti, my wife, that every single youngster today wants to be Virat Kohli. Yeah. yeah. Okay, they want to be Virat Kohli. They want to ape him, imitate him. Uh, they want to showcase that aggression. But they want to be Virat Kohli without... All without the hard work. Without, yeah, yeah, without the hard work, yeah. yeah. Without the hard work, without putting in the grunt work, yeah. uh, without putting in the slog. I mean, Virat Kohli, Ashraf, you know, he has an anecdote about him, right? He was playing a very important match and his father passed away. I don't know whether you heard of it. I heard that, yeah. Yeah? yeah. His father passed away and he still played the match yeah. because the team needed him. Yeah. And he was a kid then, right? In his teens. Mm. Now, can you imagine the maturity and uh, of that guy? See, what we see him now is that brash, aggressive, win-at-all-cost personality. Yeah. But beneath all of that is this guy who's come up right from the bottom, yeah. lost his father, yeah. put in all the hard work and came to this stage purely on, on, the, on, the, on the strength of his talent, right? Yeah. So now what has happened is people want to become like the like the the influencers, yeah. but they don't want to put in the hard work. Yeah, without putting the work, yeah. And it creates all the related problems because now it creates issues of self-esteem, self-worth. Yeah. Because in their minds they are like them, but without all the hard work, without all the money, without the wherewithal to get there. Yeah. And that creates that whole negative uh, spiral, right? Yeah. So now. Was what was better? Was it better that we grew up with very few heroes so that we were not distracted, or with millions of heroes and we sit all day going through Instagram reels and creating dance videos and getting social media validation so we feel happy about it? It's true, yeah, yeah. So it, essentially, it, it, it just gives you a false uh, uh, impression that you know you, you've made it just because of likes and validation. While you haven't really put the work, and there's nothing to show for, there's not, there's, there are no receipts, there's nothing to show for. And like you, you mentioned, Virat Kohli, and I was going through his diet and uh, exercise, and uh, um, I, like I, I listed all the books written on him, and to see, like uh, you know, find a pattern of like who is this person? I didn't know much about him. I don't watch cricket. I didn't know much about him. So, but actually, something I resonated with me. I came across some interview. He said something like, you know, I've not even, you know, I've not had butter chicken 
for five years. It's, it's been yeah. five years. I've not had butter chicken. Something, something, something like that. And I was like, that's extremely difficult. It's very difficult. Like you know, you are a, you are a po extremely popular personality, and uh, you probably get invited everywhere. And you know, the kind of resistance that you have to have in terms of food and. Uh, and sure, once again. Sure, sure. Yes. So yeah, so uh, when I realized that such a popular personality and probably gets invited like to 10 places a day and you know they, they they have this thing about saying no and you know the their identity is is very focused on who they are and what they need to achieve and they would they would focus on these three or four things like the gym or family life and your nutrition and stay focused which is extremely difficult. I mean, a person, like you said, I mean, you know, he wants to be that uh, popular figure, but doesn't know how to do the work and uh, uh, thinks that if he just looks like him with the haircut or, you know, with the beard type, I've, I've sort of arrived, but you haven't really arrived. But again, um, there are internal triggers and there are external triggers. The internal trigger is the self-awareness that you need to actually do a deep dive on who, as an example, because we are speaking about Virat Kohli, who this person is, read about him, and go th through a deep dive understanding. Nobody, of, nobody, yeah. nobody has a time, Ashraf. So you know, just to you know, so you started off with saying earlier entertainment promoted poverty, right? For example, yeah, yeah. it was good to be poor and wealthy or whatever. Now yeah. look what entertainment is promoting. It's promoting affluence. Okay. Right. Yeah. Extreme affluence. So whatever yeah. you see on social media is great stuff, right? People wearing great brands and, and driving great cars. Now, now I'm, I'm putting in front of you two pictures. Entertainment, like you said, in the 80s and 90s, promoting the virtues of not going in for change. Yeah. Okay with what you have. Yeah. Being happy with your, your scale. Yeah. And resenting if somebody else has made it, right? That yeah. guru wala thing to badal gaya and all of that that you said, yeah. right? Yeah. And now... We have these millions of youngsters following millions of superheroes on, on Instagram yeah. and seeing them driving Lamborghinis and, and wearing uh, Yeezys and, 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 and all of that. Yeah. And they want to be there, but they cannot because they don't have the, the wherewithal to get there. Okay. And then they're struggling with self-esteem, validations, anxiety. Yeah, and then they have to go. I, I'm I'm seeing this right. Youngsters today are not happy. They have such. Ashraf, you and I had peer pressure of 50 students in the class. Mm. These kids have peer pressure of millions of people. Yeah. So yeah. so so like we say, you know, there are always extremes, Ashraf. Unfortunately, there is there is no there is no balanced line. Yeah, it's true. I I uh, was going through this book. Uh, uh, the uh, Neer 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 book, the guy who wrote the book Hooked, and he uh, he wrote uh, another book called Indistractable, and uh, he makes he makes a good argument. You know, the, there was this Netflix series, Netflix uh, documentary called Social uh, Social Network. Dilemma. The social dilemma. Social dilemma. Yeah, yeah. So they put the blame largely mm. on the social uh, platforms, saying this is creating the problem. And then uh, I was listening to Lex Friedman's uh, um, 
discussion with Mark Zuckerberg recently, and uh, where Mark Zuckerberg had given, uh, you know, he broke it down, you know, the argument on social dilemma, and he said why this is not true and why this doesn't, this has this is out of context. So uh, briefly summing it up, it says, and uh, Nir Ayal, what he writes in his book is there are internal triggers and there are external triggers. The external triggers essentially will help you, you know, magnify or manifest, which is already in you. So for example, if a person is jealous, you know, earlier it used to be confined to himself or a few people around him. But now, like, you know, he will go on uh, Twitter and he'll, he'll express his jealousy with something nasty. And, uh, you know, or, or, or go to YouTube and make a roast video or, you know, criticize somebody else. So it's gone to, it's, it is using the power of leverage now. Social media is giving you power of leverage. So the argument was that the internal triggers matter more for you not to uh, be distracted or not to act in a certain way. But if you are distracted and if you do want to act in a certain way, the external triggers, which is the social media and, uh, uh, you know, it, it just it gives you a platform to uh, magnify, amplify, that. Ampl- amplify, amplify, that. amplify that. So, uh, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, we, so we are on the understanding that uh, media plays a role. Now, like you rightly pointed out, in the past, it was about glorification of poverty and seeing that as virtuous. And now, you know, we are on the opposite side of the spectrum, which where, it, where it's glorification of uh, wealth and affluence. And uh, yeah, so there is no middle path where we, we, we can agree that, uh, or, or people can, I mean, in, in, in both cases, to come out of poverty, you need like education and you need uh, to, to do the hard work or to get into affluence or be wealthy, which is not a good thing, or which is not a bad thing in and of itself. Uh, again, you've got to put, put in the work and you have Absolutely. to. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, which, which, which I believe like shows like Shark Tanks and even people, I'm like someone like you uh, who have, you know, uh, taking the path of uh, entrepreneurship at a later stage in life. I mean, I mean, you're not old, but uh, um, you have commitments and you have a family and you've taken the step at, at, at this age, uh, which uh, it's, it's, it's easier to do it when you're younger, but it's slightly difficult, uh, a little challenging when you're, when you're, when you're older. So uh, would you, would you recommend like more people uh, who are in their mid forties uh, to 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 be to embark on this journey? Uh, so I w- I would say see uh, I would say Ashraf that you know uh, um, I would say embark on that journey only if you have a very compelling idea that that you feel if you don't do it nobody else will. And if it does, it will solve some problems which are massively scalable. Yeah. So you do it because there's a reason to do it, a compelling reason. Don't do it just because it's cool. Just because you want to be called a founder or, you know, you want to showcase that, oh, I'm this honest. No, don't do it because um, the risks are many, right? Yeah. Do it only if you know that you've kind of saved some money which can last you for 24 months. Yes. At least, because that's a typical cycle where you have to give yourself at least 24 months to be able to execute. 
Now, Mandal, that is extremely difficult. I don't think anyone, like, I mean, most people, you know, when, when, when statistics show, I was going through this report, even the, from the Indian perspective, like how much money have you got saved? And, and among the youngsters, especially, and I, and I saw the statistics and I said, they were, they, they were all in debt. Like the majority of them were in debt. I'm not talking about youngsters, Ashraf. I'm uh, talking about people in our, our, our age. You spoke about, spoke yes. about our age, right? Yes. So, you know, I'm sure if anybody who's in our age yes. and has been decently prudent enough, not yes. led a very lavish, extravagant lifestyle, yes. has led a normal lifestyle, should be able to have enough liquidity to last out for at least, say, months. 18 to 24 months. At our stage, right? If you've not been able to create that corpus, then that means you've had a life of extremely lavish and extravagant lifestyles. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm saying if you have that much money to park. Yeah. And if you can, if you can deal, see, Ashraf, what happens is entrepreneurship comes at a cost, right? And I'll tell you the cost. You need to become lean. Right? So you you can't drive that fancy car that you drove when you had a corporate life. Yes. So you've got to knock that off. You should be prepared to slum it out. You can no longer afford to go for every weekends out for fancy dinners with friends. Yes. The the fancy holidays are out of your reach because yeah. every single rupee counts, right? Yeah. So if you are ready to give all of that up. Yeah. Go for the next two years, okay, no fancy dinners, no fancy holidays, uh, no cars, no extravagant kharcha. Yeah. And I'm willing to slum it out. Yeah. And it is very difficult in our age, right? Because our social circle, yeah. so I'll give you an example. Our social circle is such that, oh, somebody's planning some holiday or some fancy thing, right? You can't go. Yeah. You have to say a no. Hey, look, I can't make it, guys. Okay. Then eventually there comes a time where you stop being invited. Yeah. Because your friends feel they don't want to put you in that spot. Yeah, yeah. Right? So your, your social circle now starts being a little away from you because you can no longer participate in all the things that you part participated together uh, earlier. Yes. Right? Yes. So mentally, you've got to be very strong and ready to let all of that go. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I like what you said about not upgrading your, you know, I mean, being lean and... Uh, even when, like, when you when you scale up in your job or even your business, it's important. And, I, and one of the like, I listen to Nawal Ravikant, and he keeps reading, reiterating this message that you do not upgrade your lifestyle. Do not upgrade your lifestyle. And uh, like, as human beings, it's natural to to want more. But the fact is, we can live with very little, very very little. And, and COVID has shown us that, right? I mean, you know, uh, at end of the day, what do you really need? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, even when it comes to, um, I was talking to someone yesterday, and uh, we're speaking about choices and food and being exposed to so many varieties. And uh, like I mentioned that when you maintain an identity saying, I like, I have an identity that I do not go beyond five types of food. Like if it is there, then I will eat it. I will not take the six, you know, like this, if someone invites me to a fancy place to eat a certain type of food, I will not go because that's my identity is I do not eat that. So that saves me a lot of like internal, you know, like, you know, the, the expanding this fuel of thinking whether I should restriction, do it or not do it. It's like, you know, the wearing the color, I just wear black socks. 
you know, I don't have to think about matching socks and everything oh, is black. Everything is black. I yeah. realize you and I are both wearing black T-shirts. Yeah. So for the last four years now, I wear the black T-shirts. Yeah. And I wear black. So I I toggle between black and dark blue. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and sweatshirt. So that's my that's my standard attire. All my friends ask me, "Are you just carry this?" I said, "It's very easy." So I and yeah. this T-shirt that I'm wearing yeah. is a three hundred and ninety-nine rupees jockey cotton T-shirt. It's a nice okay? T-shirt. Yeah. I just have ten of these blacks. Hmm. I have ten of these dark blues, and that's all I wear. Yeah. So it yeah. just has, solves a lot of problem. Or ask your friend. Nikal, they every day the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I I think the same. Like. I, I, I'm most of the t-shirts are black, and I don't think much socks and t-shirt. I don't think much. Okay, jeans and t-shirt and this. Okay, it's all standard. Oh, it's just have standard. like multiple pairs of each, and uh, you know it, it it solves a lot of your decision fatigue and expending your resource thinking too much about it. Yeah. So and, you know, yeah, thing, right? I was at this uh, Goa trip with my with my brothers, and uh, you know when they when they saw me open my bag, they said. You carrying only this? I said, but that is what I wear, and they were shocked. Yeah, yeah. I said, but it just makes life easy for me. I don't have to think about anything, and you know, I don't end up spending too much money on clothes now. Okay. Uh, in fact, uh, we had a uh, we had a Ganpati puja last year at home, and I attend and I took the puja wearing a black T-shirt and and my jeans. So, I mean, this is my standard attire. I went to a wedding and I went wearing a sweatshirt and a jeans. So uh, I, I just don't wear anything else now. This is it. Okay. And in terms of um, like uh, your experience in fundraising, I saw that you you even went to the US and uh, uh, you do you do fundraising in India and you've been a part of charitable projects in in India. Your experience in charity, how has it helped you uh, in fundraising in your cop in in with your startup? Also. What's uh, some of the differences uh, in fundraising in India and fundraising in the US? Okay, so um, so look, I'll I'll begin with that. That uh, I so I wouldn't want to call it charity because charity has a sense of you're giving yeah. to somebody, right? Yeah. Uh, but I believe that whilst I'm giving to someone, I'm receiving something which is. far bigger than what i give right so yeah. it's it's uh, i think uh, i they are doing me a favor by allowing me to help them that's that's the spirit okay. with which i go but so nice i come from spirit, definitely sorry that's a nice that's a nice perspective perspective yeah yeah so basically uh, i come from a very small village around ratnagiri so there's a school there and you know uh, people there don't have the money to send their kids to school so i began with funding um, the education of two three kids i realized that if they get the money they study they study they do their engineering from a local college then they get a job and that uplifts the lifestyle of their families so then i put a word out on facebook saying i'm doing this would anybody want to participate and i got like 15 20 people to give me some money which allowed me to fund the education of 20 kids amazing uh, in the school and the other day when i was uh, i visited my father Uh, a gentleman came to meet me along with his sons, and he said, "Look, the scholarships that you gave, my both my sons uh, did their engineering from uh, the college in Ratnagiri, and they have got government jobs. Amazing. So they came to thank you. That's amazing. So, so I mean, now who's got more? Yeah, definitely. 
Definitely. Right? So, so that's a part. But I would like to tell you that, you know, uh, whether it's fundraising for your business or fundraising for something that you believe in, uh, the most important part is the storytelling. Okay. You need to have a compelling story on why you're doing that. Okay. Make people want to be a part of your story. Yes. And, and that really works for both parts, right? I mean, if, if I tell you, Ashraf, that I'm uh, raising money for some random whatever, you'll say, you know, Mandar, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But if I tell you the story of my village, how kids, you know, bonded labor, uh, they don't have money to go to school, you will feel, yes, for, for that, it's like 8,000 rupees that can fund an entire year of education, right? Yeah. Today, what is 8,000 rupees for somebody like you and me? And you'd feel, hey, look, Mandar, you're doing a great job and I trust you. So here's the money. Right? I didn't have to put in too much effort. Similarly, when you're raising money for your funds or for your startup, uh, the risks are larger and, and, and you are, you're raising funds for business, right? So the emotion is not there, but yeah. the storytelling has to be there. Okay. The, the why, the how, yeah. and why should you invest in this startup and why should you invest in me? Yeah. Because most early stage startups, when they're raising funds, there is nothing to them beyond the founders mm. and the story about why they have come together and why they are building this, solving this problem, which they feel is a scalable one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So why should they put in their money? Okay. So yeah. the storytelling plays a very important role there. And in terms of uh, the reception from the other end, from the venture capitalists in India or mm. seed or venture capital, and the US, what's, what are some of the key differences that you find? So, um, um, I would say um, the US celebrates entrepreneurs big time. They yeah. celebrate founders. Yeah. They, have a, they, are, they, they are very professional. Yeah. Uh, they value your time. They value your journey. Yeah. And, and they are very open to ideas and entrepreneurship. Yeah. And if, if somewhere they believe in you, they'll take the decision fast. Yeah. Because again, you know, Ashraf, let's understand that India is on the digital entrepreneurship journey only in the last four years. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Correct? True. Silicon Valley is evolved. They've been doing it for 25 years. Yeah. And their funding comes in on the power of an idea. Yeah. You're sitting on a coffee table in a Starbucks and you'll get funded like millions of dollars. Mm, it's amazing. It's amazing. Right? Yeah. That's the culture. So we spoke about pop culture, right? Yeah. That's the culture there. Yeah. It's been established since, since decades. It's been established in 40, 50 years. So the the power of an idea can get you funding in Silicon Valley. Yeah. But in India, everybody wants to know what is the money to be made. Okay. So very rarely the power of idea will get funded. I'm, I'm saying it doesn't happen because we are also getting there. Yeah. So we are also getting evolved. But I'm saying more often than not, people want Excel sheets and they want uh, projections yeah. and, and, and many, many things. Yeah, just like how, like the bank asks for all of these documents before giving loans. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. But the system is becoming better, Ashraf. You know, I think uh, people are looking to value entrepreneurs uh, fueled by the huge success stories in the last uh, three, four years. And it's a great time to be in India. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think we are getting there in terms of pop culture. Yeah. Uh, we are also getting there in terms of the networking ecosystem. Yeah. 
and uh, i'm 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 super uh, positive about uh, the entire uh, culture uh, moving in that direction where entrepreneurship is encouraged and 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 uh, celebrated yeah i like what you said about time you know like you know you you identified that time is appreciated now what one of the things like um that uh, mm-hmm. resonated me listening to uh, you and also uh, uh, podcast in the us is uh, the value of time they have a dollar value on time and uh, we don't have this concept in india uh, again it it is said because we didn't go through a proper like industrial revol- uh, uh, revolution and all of that so you know we don't like you know we've never heard terms like minimum, minimum wage or hourly rate hourly rate right. and when i was reading this book of almanac of nawal ravikant and he says things like uh, back then when you could afford me i was 5 uh, uh, 5000 dollars and initially he was $1000 which is too little and then he goes to $5000 and then when i um, actually started thinking about it you know when you think about something and you like for example if you want to buy a car a certain mo- a certain model of a car then automatically you'll see the same car all over the road right you know you'll start yes, correct, correct. so when you start when yes. i started thinking about it then i then i came across people here where i live um they were charging for the time you know like even if it's small like $300 $600 and they were charging for the time and uh, you know i'm on linkedin people message me all the time this morning somebody messaged me yesterday somebody yesterday night at 1 am somebody messaged me and they want to talk they want me to get on a zoom call and talk essentially um it, it, like you and i are talking so it there's a leverage because we put it out there so people benefit and then they come in, uh, get get in touch with us or there are certain opportunities that we exposed to but they want to get on a call with me and take my time so uh i have a rate which isn't much which is 350 dollars and uh you know i i i send them the documents uh this is how much i charge between 350 to 600 dollars per hour i charge and uh, it's basically to weed out the you know unnecessary stuff and some people a lot of people in the west they they pay they want to pay they ask you how they can pay they transfer the money and then i get on a zoom call even if it's a 20 minute chat they'll pay 600 dollars so uh, especially uh, when i get these requests from 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 india and i tell them this is how much i charge they find this whole concept of me charging ridiculous you know they get very emotional they say this has i this morning just before we got on this chat i got a message saying from a guy saying i am very disturbed by what you said you know i was like i you know so it's you have to get there sir i think yeah. we are like like you said see so so i'll explain my my philosophy there tons of people reach out to me and if i can spare some time i do connect with them I, somebody says you know i would like to pick your brains or something i said okay done if i have time i'll i'll get on the call uh and i'm happy to share my knowledge because i believe in that paid forward yeah so if i have gained from somebody because tons of people have helped me that way i would like to pass my uh, that same circle of i call it the circle of goodwill but if they want a second call or the third call okay then i very politely tell them look uh, you know i was happy to engage with you and and give you my uh, time and all of that but uh, if you still want to engage with me then we will have to figure out some way to do it formally 
And when you say that, yeah, 90% of the people disappear. Yeah, yeah. And the 10% who remain, they are happy to kind of, you know, uh, pay you your, your uh, fee. Yeah. So, okay. so it's not, I mean, so you, you quoting in dollars, right? Because the US works in dollars. See, somebody who's paying you yeah. is also charging three times or more. So for example, if a lawyer is taking your time for an hour to understand uh, the VC ecosystem in India, that same law and paying you $300, the same lawyer is charging $600 for his clients because they work by the hour. So again, it comes down to they're used to paying and being paid for. Yes. In India, it doesn't exist. Okay. Do you, do you think it will be a good thing that if this kind of mindset culture and... Uh, no, of course, you know, we have, to, we have to start paying people for their expertise, right? Yes. So I would say make it commercial because I think in some way, India also has a great culture of sharing knowledge. And I think that is why... Uh, uh, we have this thing of bonding and and being with people and building networks, right? Yes. So, but beyond a point of time, there has to be commerce. Otherwise, why would I keep giving you time? It's true. I'll give you time the first time, the second time, but the third time you want another two hours from me. Yeah. Then I have to say no. And, and the way to say no is to quote a price. Yes. Yes. If they value you, they'll still engage. If they don't, then yeah. they will just yeah yeah also um you know before we end i just uh, want to you know ask you about uh, you know like the, some of the books that have resonated with you which which you've read and uh, i know you read a lot i've, I've i see some of your posts um, um and you uh, noal noal hari's book also uh, you, yes, you read that yes. Book, sapiens sapiens and uh, I mean, any recommendation, like top three books that you have in mind that everyone should read, should be a must read? So, Ashraf, it's, you know, um, in the last four, five years, I have completely moved away from any kind of self-help or or uh, management or all of those books. Yeah, I have. I just love to read a lot about biographies and autobiographies because these are real people who've kind of done the real things. And they, and they share their life with you. And also a lot of fiction. Okay. Plus, I've also, uh, I've been reading a lot about spirituality. So, um, I don't know. I Maybe, uh, so I'll tell you a book that I'm reading right now. Is I'm fascinated by it because I first heard about it on a podcast. So, there's a, there's a podcast by this guy called Ranveer Bran called uh, The Ranveer Show. Okay. B and Biceps is the name of his company. Yeah, and he uh, he uh, interviewed a gentleman called uh, Mayur Talbag, uh, who uh, wrote about the Aghoris. Have you heard about the Aghoris? No. I, this is a. It's 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 is it a tribe which? Uh... Yes, in the in the Himalayas, they are Shiv Bhaks and they have they practice these extreme cases of spiritualism. Okay. And it's a fascinating book because it opens your mind to things that are possible. See, Ashraf, sometimes what happens is because we can't see and we can't experience, we think it's not possible. Right? So, for example, if say 400 years back, if somebody would have told, told people that you would be talking on phones 
and flying on aircrafts and sending a rocket to Mars, yeah. people would have laughed, right? But what do you think is not possible now? Yeah. Could how can you say it's not going to be possible at all? It's true. It's true. And in fact, yeah. uh, it's it's a good point you 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 brought out because. If you see the reading list of uh, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, and you, it's surprising. There's a lot of uh, fiction, you know, like Isaac Asimov. I mean, everyone, like even uh, Jeff Bezos and uh, Elon Musk, both would read a lot of Isaac Asimov. Uh, and he spoke about space travel. So they, you know, something which they read when they were eight or nine years old, you know, yeah. it, it stuck with them. And that's what is being manifested today by building these rocket, yeah, rocket companies. Exactly right. So, so when you talk about quantum physics or, or all of that, you know, uh, uh, we saw the movie Interstellar. So, so what I'm saying, Ashraf, is the physics is there yes. to show that things are possible. Yeah. But maybe the engineering is not there and probably it could arrive 500 years later. Yeah. So who are we to say this is not possible at all? It's true. It's and that's the same with spirituality, right? Right now, you believe that there is no transit or, you know, there is no past life. There is no whatever. I mean, whatever be your belief, right? And people say very confidently, but I am somebody who thinks that everything is impossible till somebody does it. Hmm. Okay. So we have to, these books help me to have a very open mind yeah. about anything. I do not reject anyone's thoughts. I do not reject anyone's beliefs. Okay. I feel everything is possible in this world. Somebody has to do it. Okay. Maybe I don't have the power to see what's possible. Maybe I'm not blessed. Maybe I don't have the vision. But who am I to say that nobody has a vision? Okay. So you would recommend people to read more of these fiction. It, can, it, opens people, it opens your mind. It gives you a certain perspective that things which are not, does, don't exist now can be possible in the future. So, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If I, I were to tell my piece of advice to everyone is that always keep an open mind and, and not having that re leads to all conflict. Yeah. So for example, if I'm talking to you and I have an open mind with you, I will not reject your thoughts. True. So if you say something that I don't believe, one response that I would give is, hey, Ashraf, tu kya bol rahe? not possible. And I reject you, right? I reject your thoughts. I reject you and you then have that sense of negativity towards me. But what if I said, look, Ashraf, I don't think it's possible, Yeah. but whatever you're saying could be true. It's true. your experience. True. Now that completely changes the power of the conversation. Now I'm not rejecting you. Yeah. I'm not rejecting my thoughts. I'm rejecting my ability to be able to see what you, what you are seeing or not. Yeah. Not being able to see what you're seeing, right? Yeah. Then yeah. conversations happen. They are positive. You know, we walk away thinking, hey, I had a great chat. Mm. This guy did not reject me. Yeah, it's true. And in fact, it's it's coming into the mainstream. Like what you just mentioned, like Adam Grant is putting a lot, lot of these ideas. How to change your mind. I just saw a video recently of Mark Manson. Uh, he, uh, you, you probably read his books as well. Um very good. The second one is a good book. I really like the second one. So uh, he has a video which is titled, uh, you know, how to change your mind. It's like what you said, how to change your mind. And uh, it gives you steps on how to change your mind. So like empathy and looking from the other person's perspective. And this is something which has helped me not only like, you know, 
in the in the past when i was younger i would be more dismissive of uh, yes yes yeah people events circumstances countries but uh, like you know some people would criticize the place where they live uh but, and they would give reasons why so um, i would take a step back and i wouldn't get into this kind of uh, or or even for example the political parties that they support and uh, uh, which side of the fence you are in or all, all of this so in, in the when i see people are rigid on a certain uh, ideology like i uh, had a huge uh, you know epiphany uh, in, in the like on um, 3 years ago when um, i met somebody in the train whose ideologies and whose whose beliefs in the political party that he was supporting is completely different from uh you know from from who i am my identity and all of that and uh, the way we connected and you know and what transpired from there you know and i realized that uh, like you said like if we change our mind and if we just open to and he was he was a much older gentleman and uh, uh, then i realized that uh, uh, a very very wealthy person like you know um, a total net worth of 50 million dollars uh, one of the supplies to one of the biggest uh, a largest biscuit biscuit manufacturing in india so uh, iit first batch of iit when it when it started so i realized that uh, uh just being open minded and him and 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 then being the likability where people can start a dialogue and understand the other person's perspective is so important so important and you mentioned the word conflict it can resolve a lot of conflict Absolutely. And, uh, then I came to Bombay. He invited me to his farmhouse, and then he had he has these three companies in 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 Bombay. He 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 asked me to go and speak to the CEO, and he took my feedback on how the CEOs were performing. I was just visiting, <laughs> you know. So so all of that happened, and you know that trust and that uh, likability, all that was established in a short period, just because I I mean I probably changed, and he. He, he was open and i was open and we spoke and then and uh, i agreed with a lot of things i don't have to agree with everything but i agreed with most of the things and he agreed with most of the things that i had to say and it was beautiful i mean it was beautiful uh, the relationship yeah yeah i mean i i believe in that truly ashraf i i don't reject anyone yeah i don't reject anyone's way of living or way of thought everybody is entitled to their own way yeah i might not agree Yeah. but i will not say you're wrong mm. see when i say i don't agree yeah. it is with me right yeah. the minute i say you're wrong yeah i'm i'm rejecting you i'm rejecting your entire belief system i don't want to do that yeah correct so i think that that's that's what leads to i think better relationships better conversations yeah. hopefully a better world who's to yeah. say fantastic it's been lovely lovely speaking to you and uh, and uh, there's much more that i need to discuss with you and i look forward to seeing you uh, soon and i hope some in the next few months I'll probably sit with you and talk to you and uh, yeah it's good we caught up and it was interesting to know your perspective on so many different uh, uh, you know your different uh, milestones that you you know your corporate life and your education and your advice to entrepreneurs young entrepreneurs and the ones who want to start later in life um you've got lots to contribute maybe we should do a part 2 also in the future and uh, i hope like all 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 the best for you know uh, what you're doing at the moment your uh, startup which is on stealth mode 
and uh, I hope it becomes a big success. And uh, um, being open-minded, uh, and uh, um, I mean, I like your perspective about life in general, and also about uh, uh, like you, you, you very correctly pointed out that it's still a nas nascent market in terms of uh, just like this. This digitization came in four years ago, so we need to give it time and not be dismissive about uh, um, you know about some of the process. So I'm sure the rate at which India is moving, the entrepreneurs and the you know government, obviously you know uh, when the individuals like you, when they're putting pressure on the system, the system has to move, and that's something which we learn about uh, in, in in I think in the goal. You know the Herbie, Herbie. Herbie, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, God bless Kalim Khan. Yeah, yeah. Kalim Khan was, uh, you know, and I mean, I really appreciate what he did for us in terms of uh, some of the books that he mentioned right at the beginning. Read Art of War. Read the Art of War. There was the goal. Then there was a Walkman book, right? I don't remember. Yeah, Sony. You know, Sony. Ah, uh, correct. So those three, four books. But see, Ashok, I can I tell you something? You know, uh, every every idea has an inflection point, right? True, so right now India is in that hockey stick curve. Yes, you know, it's it's just this is the right time in India for anybody to be an entrepreneur. Everything's coming together. Yeah. There is there is funding, there is money, yeah. uh, there is excitement, and I just believe that uh, we have a great future. So you know, I'm very optimistic, and uh, and it was great to connect with you, man. I think the last time we spoke like this was in college, <laughs> twenty years back. It's yeah. been like a little over two decades, but uh, yeah. um, I, I, I was happy to note that there was no awkward start. We just kind of took off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I say, like, 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 like I tell people, you know, like when I meet someone who I've not met for decades, um, I would just start from where we left off. You know, I would just start from exactly where we left off. You know, I actually, um, like a lot of people would go into that, okay, what happened? We've not been in touch. How's your family? How many kids? And all that. Okay, we pretty much, we can discuss that. Like, let's just, it's for you and me. Let's just start where we left off. So That's I a great someone, Yeah. So I met someone uh, uh, from, like, who I had not met for like 20 years. And I met him in Bombay. And uh, <laughs> it was quite funny. We just, we just started from where we left off, you know. And he just started talking. I started talking. And I felt great, you know. And then we can get into the nuances, Correct. you know, of where how, we, life has been. how life has Correct. been and the tribulations and the brutality of life or the good things and what we need to be grateful for, how many kids we have, how many divorces uh, or <laughs> marriages, all of those things. So, yeah, great, man. Great, great talking to you. It was great connecting and, and we should do this again, man. Maybe with more people. With more people. Maybe, maybe get a few more people from a batch. Yeah. Uh, uh, it will be just good to know how people have been, how their journeys have been. Okay. And uh, let's let's catch up soon. I I don't know when. Do you come to India regularly? If you do, you have my number. We are connected on WhatsApp. I generally come in March, uh, which is this month. And uh, uh, but I need to see the schedule. I get invited, uh, and then I also come towards the end of the year. I also come. But there are a few things happening now in Dubai, which I need to be here for, I think, at least till the third week of March, I need to be here. But so I if you make a plan to come to Mumbai, just give me a call and we'll definitely catch up uh, for a cup of coffee. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. You have a good day. Uh, and thank you for doing this, by the way. Thank you for doing this. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks, bye. bye. Bye, man.